this is this is all new to me so okay I'm so excited those of you that are online I'm so excited to share with you today so um, God's been teaching me and Heidi a lot over these past few years um, and I it, today's more of a testimony than uh, it is a sermon. How, how is this, Randy? Is, sounds muffled? Does it sound kind of muffled? Or No? Okay. I also realize that it's Mother's Day, and I hope to uh, weave some thoughts for our moms uh, into this testimony towards the end as well. Heidi and I have been incredibly blessed by many of you for spending so much of your time listening to us and praying for us as we shared about the challenging financial struggles for what seemed like an eternity. Imagine for a moment a three to four year long root canal. Anyways, that's what it's been like and so thank you so much for for those of you that don't know our story, here's a bit of background. I ran a 109-year-old, four-generation family nursery business. In November 2019, it came time for us to wind the business down, and it, and, and it was complicated. We said goodbye to 180 associates who sold the who served the company well, many that served for 20 to 40 years. Sounds muffled, no? It does? Okay. The company carried a huge multi-million dollar loan that we unfortunately were not able to pay off. To get that loan in the beginning, the bank required me to issue a personal guarantee. It's okay? Huh? Is that better? That's better. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Because we were unable to pay back the loan, as is typical in these situations, the bank sued us to get into motion, into motion the provisions of the personal guarantee. That meant that we stood to lose our house, as well as most of our earthly possessions. This was about two to three years ago. Um, I started to dwell on the sequence of events that could unfold. I heard a dark voice telling me, like a movie, playing over and over and over and over again, saying, the voice said, the company's going to be forced to file for bankruptcy, Harrison. You're going to lose your house and all of your earthly possessions. Also file for personal bankruptcy and face financial ruin. It will all be public for everybody to see. You're going to have to go to church and see all those successful people and they will pity you. Do you fully understand the number of years you will face before you are free of this personal 
uh, of this process, it will be agonizing and it will be torturous. That was when my spirit crashed and I hit rock bottom as I considered the shame that I would bring to the extended Higaki family and myself due to my failure to keep the company going. I crashed pretty hard. All human confidence, self-worth, and hope were shattered into shards lying on the ground. I was so engulfed in darkness that I wondered if life was even worth living anymore. Really. The enemy's voice began telling me, Harrison, you know the way out. Pull the plug. It was during this time that I drove out to a public section of the Half Moon Bay golf course and found a grassy place to sit facing the ocean with waves crashing. It, it was beautiful. I began to pray and seek the Lord. Suddenly, I found myself far away in a different place, somewhere between heaven and earth. For me, many times the Holy Spirit speaks to me in visual images, visions. In that place, I knelt with my head bowed down. Then something amazing happened. As I knelt, a shiny golden crown was placed on my head, glistening in the sun. I knew it was God. I turned around a bit later to look, and there he was. It was Jesus. I was face to face with him. He wore a thorny crown. Looking directly right into my eyes, with just a few words, he said, Harrison, I wore this crown so that you could wear yours. His love overwhelmed me, and in an instant, the demon of darkness that was attached to my spirit fled. My shackles of shame, failure, and fear fell off my spiritual wrists and off my ankles. I was a prisoner set free. My heart was full and his joy and his love for me infused my whole being. Felt like I was radiating. <laughs> Many times, intense spiritual encounters happen to us, and later our minds catch up to what happened in these moments. This experience led me these past few years on a journey of discovery in his word, and today, I have a better understanding regarding what happened there where the waves were crashing. I share, I, I share just a few of these words in scripture today. The first one, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I swear to God, I did not know about this verse before I saw that vision. So you're thinking, I knew this verse, and that kind of, you know, made this vision pop out. I swear to God, I didn't know about this verse. (laughs) So it's just, um, it's amazing. Um, it was after it was after my encounter with Jesus that I found this this verse. I realized now that what had happened on that day was that I received the promised crown of life that James refers to here. Amazing. Next, let us run with perseverance the mar- race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Holy Spirit of Jesus told me in this verse, Harrison, on the cross I took upon me the heavy burden of your shame and humiliation. I took it on so that you would not have to. I am the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. I blazed a trail and modeled for you the way to deal with your shame and humiliation. I scorned the shame. I scored the shame. I scorn the shame, and so shall you, my beloved. Just remember, look at the crown that I placed on your head. I already knew how Jesus died for me for falling short of God's standards of holiness, righteousness, perfection. But through this passage, I learned something new, that he also died for my falling short of man's standards. Not just God's standards, but man's standards. The voice of the world tells us what the standards are. These standards involve power, fame, beauty, and riches. Satan uses man's standards to accuse us, to cripple us, to destroy us. Or he uses these same standards to bloat our flesh, our self-reliance, bloat up our pride and arrogance. It's one of the others. That's how man's standards operate. The The world asks us, so how do you stack up? power. These include position, connection with power, influence over people, fame. How many people know about me? What do people think about about me? How popular am I? How many hits do I get on social media? Beauty. That's my issue. That's a joke. Come on, guys, you're supposed to laugh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, riches. Okay, how much do I have compared to the next guy? So what's the, the answer to all these really tough questions that we face every day? I wore this thorny crown so that you could wear yours made of gold? That's the answer. 
our self-identity and value is derived from what God thinks about us, not what the enemy tells us about ourselves through the world, man's standards, good or bad. Right? Land on it, stand on it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I always knew this verse as head knowledge, but never really got it into my heart until we hit hard times. It wasn't until I hit rock bottom that I understood what it meant to be poor in spirit. It was then that I received the fullness of heaven on earth, which started which started with the crown. I, inherit, I inherited the kingdom of heaven and have found my true riches. It's Jesus in my heart who gives me peace in the tension, power in the battle, guidance through the unknown. He is the promised river of life, the river of joy mysteriously welling up out of my belly while in the fiery furnace of life. (laughs) I learned that when we finally come to the point of saying something like this, okay, I give up. This is way beyond me. I cease trying to work it out with my own wisdom and power and trust completely in you. Have your way. I allow you to be my true Lord. Lead me and I will follow and obey no matter how impossible it may seem to to pull off. And I will do what you ask me to do even though it may not make any logical sense. Yes, the end of me is the beginning of you. And we enter in and inherit the kingdom of heaven. John 17 is Jesus' high priestly prayer, full of treasure truths that can take a lifetime to appreciate. Spend time reading John 17. There's gold in them, our hills. Okay, next, next scripture, John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence I had with you before the world began. This was Jesus. In this verse, we learn that Jesus was not just glorified through his death and resurrection, but that he was glorified before the world began. In a sense, Jesus' glory through the resurrection was an outer manifestation of the inner glory that was previously given to him by the Father. The glory of Jesus... Imagine its magnificence. That's a big deal, the glory of Jesus, right? Imagine the depth of the Father's love and pride in Jesus from before the world began. Imagine that. Now get this. That's what Jesus says. I have given them, Father, I have given them, us, those that believe in him, the glory that you gave me. Did that register? 
the glory that the Father gave Jesus, Jesus says he gave to all of us. I go, what? As believers in Jesus, we wear the crown of life. The Father's glory is upon us just as it was Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Receive it. Receive it. Let's go on. So why have we received this glory? So that was the beginning. So it goes on. And and Jesus explains why we receive this glory. I have given this the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I suspect that the reason why Jesus wants us to be glorified is because he wants his bride to be beautiful when he comes back. And beauty looks like unity in love. Right, Brother Randy? Okay. And, and unity looks like may we be one as you are one. That is Jesus and the Father. You see, when we all realize that we are all wearing the crown of life, deeply valued and loved by him, Imagine the level of love and respect we will have for one another. It matters not what others say about us, even those in authority, for we are defined by what the Father says about us and nothing or anyone else. The world will witness and recognize Jesus' love for us through our unity. Here's a question. Are we unified as a church within English? How about between the English and Ichigo? How unified are we? We need more glory. We need more glory. Without death, there's no resurrection. Without resurrection, there's no glory. United as one, what else does scripture say about us in living in glory? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. We are all called to live in unity and fulfilling our calling as royal priests and priestesses. That's hard to say, priestesses. It's so easy to gloss over certain words in scripture. For example, it's so easy for us to quickly read over the word royal. Our inner dialogue with false humility may discount this word. No, not me. 
But Jesus, through the word, tells uh, you, us, that you, we, are royalty. <laughs> we are royal priests and priestesses. As a priest or priestess, we are instructed what that looks like. This, this scripture instructs us to proclaim his excellencies regarding how he has taken us from darkness into his marvelous light. As royal priests, we are to share our death and resurrection stories. We have this amazing opportunity to share our darkness and how God brought, into, brought us into his light by resurrecting us. God brings people into our circle of, uh, circle of influence. Our calling is to be genuine, vulnerable, transparent. Human nature and our pride, the Pharisee in all of us, right? We all got a little Pharisee in us, would hide the imperfections in our lives. Uh, but if we don't share our warts, and pain and hurting, how can we be seen as real, thus approachable, by those that walk in darkness? If we share our darkness, we can then show others the way to the marvelous light and thus fulfill our ordained destiny as a priest or priestess. Think about it. Be more transparent. Let's be less concerned about our brand and instead live the life of royalty as a royal priesthood. I believe that we are a third day people, third day as in resurrection, a people that experience resurrection through death, death uh, through, uh, through death uh, to self life experiences. We are ordained priests and priestesses. Psalm 139.16 Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Ordained. Every day ordained. Priest, priestess, ordained. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Matt Song talked about this, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body, our body, fleshed out, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that life, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul speaks about death experiences. At the heart of these death experiences is death to self. 
our plans, death to our wisdom, death to our agendas, death to our pride, death to our power, our, our notoriety, and death to our self-interest. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. As priests, we face situations involving suffering and pain, death to self experiences, but there is resurrection and glory unto eternal life through it all. We live them out in full view so that the life of Jesus is made manifest through us, through our mortal flesh. Thereby, we fulfill the purpose and ordained calling for that which we were created. We are a third-day people. We dare not miss it. Jesus sought to invest his time with the sick, not the healthy. He, the great spiritual physician, sought out the sick, the sinner, the hurting, the downtrodden, the outcast, the broken. He didn't have much time or patience for the religious. It's encouraging to witness our evolution of late as a church in these days. There are really wonderful indications at Peninsula Hope that we are be becoming less religious and increasingly, and increasingly a royal priesthood, a place where we share our death to life experiences. It's a place where if we, as we continue to grow, the sick will want to come. And where the sick are, Jesus is. This morning, as I was having breakfast, just a fresh thought came to me. I said, you know, I, I heard a voice. It's God. <laughs> said, you know, Peninsula's not growing. Peninsula's not multiplying. Then I thought about that verse. I go, unless a head of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just is alone and doesn't multiply. I don't, that came out of nowhere. Is that a word from the Lord about peninsula? I don't know. Something for us think about and pray about and what does that mean maybe as a church we need to understand what it means to die to self just putting out there <laughs> here's a vision here's a vision for peninsula hope people are coming this is the vision people are coming and encountering us and they witness the oneness 
the glory. They hear third day death to life stories through us where we're at work, at school, in small groups, in Zoom sessions. They witness people praying for one another, bearing one another's burdens and are of suffering and pain. They witness healing of health, relationships, finances, God's stories of resurrection in lives all around, and it's happening. We're seeing this. They encounter a royal priesthood, a holy nation, royalty, royalty. And they leave thinking, now I know where I can find the light, where I can come to become whole. It's Mother's Day, so in closing, I share a story about my mom, for you moms, actually for, for everybody. Yeah, there's my mom in her backyard. My mom was deeply dedicated to God and his word. It was about two months before she died from lung cancer. The cancer had dwindled down her down to skin and bones, and she was fully aware of the end. It was then that she shared with me an amazing glory-filled observation about God. As a backdrop for those of you that didn't know, her youngest daughter, my baby sister, died at the tragic young age of 20. My mom carried with her, <laughs> carried with her every single day the painful memory of Lois's death, never understanding why she took her life. My mom was acquainted with pain and suffering and the shame and lonely experience of the suicide of her beloved daughter. So we sat in the family room and she, facing death, looked intently into my eyes and said, Harrison, isn't it mysterious and wonderful even in the most challenging trials in this life, that there is this deep, unexplainable joy that runs within us. This with a big smile and nodding head, communicating that she knew that I knew. We embraced with great tears and great joy in the Lord. Next pick. <laughs> My mom wore on her head the crown of life and knew intimately the love of the Father for her. In the face of death, the river of life gushed from out of her belly with great joy. She was defined by what the father thought about her, not the world. Yes, she was loved by he who placed the crown of life on her brow. Jesus said, I have made you
Jesus said, I have made you, Father, known to them and will continue to make them known, make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. By this verse, we learn that Jesus is interceding. He's saying, we'll continue to make you known, right? So, he's, so at this moment, Jesus is, is, is praying to the Father, interceding for us to make it known just how much the Father loves you. He loves you just, Scripture says, he loves you just as much as, as the Father loved Jesus. And Jesus is praying, and Jesus is praying and interceding for you, not from some faraway place in heaven. Jesus says, when we believe in him, he comes into us. Jesus is praying for you from within you. He's in your heart, and he's praying and interceding for you. And he seeks for you to know the next level, the depth of the Father's love for you from before the glory and the love from before you were born. 